we can edit out all of our stupid stuff. <laughs> yes, I can do we that. We should just keep recording. Okay, we are recording. Welcome everyone. We are the Red Weather Christians. We'll get into why we named ourselves that. Maybe some other time. In another episode. Maybe never. No, we will, for sure. I mean, depends on if anyone's listening at that point. We will share that with you at some point later. Maybe. And the we we're talking about, I'm Steve. And I'm Jen. And we're married. Oh my God. <laughs> you have to imagine that we're sitting at this table and Jen is trying to be proper about this. Got <laughs> notes out. I also have paper and pencil, but there's nothing on my paper. <laughs> it's blank. And she's a little more awkward, I feel, because she's trying to have her voice right. She's trying to say right things. I'm not. You have a big, cheesy grin on your face. I am a little awkward. Yes, I am a little awkward. But it's our first episode. What do you expect? It's going to be awesome. <laughs> oh, and don't mind Steve's gravelly laugh. That is long COVID. Anyway, what we're here today to talk about uh, are doubts. When they happened, why they happened, and probably why they should keep happening. Yeah. I think of it as my doubt journey. And when we say doubts, we are talking about our Christianity. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, the way you said it too. <laughs> this is not how we actually have conversations. <laughs> I feel like it's close. <laughs> so let's get into it. When did you first start having doubts? Uh, the question is to me, I suppose. Well, it's to you because you started earlier than I did in life. I went through and just kind of accepted things, I would say pretty easily, things I heard in church. Now, in my defense, I went to a church that was, it was in California. Yes, it was a Baptist church, but... That's not real Baptist. I, I don't know. People hear the word Baptist and they think uber conservative. And I would not say that my church was necessarily in our beliefs. My church was all about grace. That was the biggest, biggest takeaway that I got from that church, was that God gives grace. So, take and, that for what it's worth. And you could dance. So, you weren't Baptist. Correct. So, I pushed through this. I just said this before we even recorded. But I pushed through high school uh, without doubt. I pushed through all the doubts that I might have had in high school. Even though I was reading the Bible and reading some really weird things. Pushed through that. Pushed past that. Because that was what I should do. Or what I thought I should do. And I landed at a Christian university... Dun, dun, dun. So I thought that would be fantastic. I'd find my people. What I found was a lot of the same type of people from high school, except this time they had this veil of Christianity in front of them. When you say the same people from high school, you mean they did the same things, but they called themselves Christians? I had plenty of people in high school who called themselves Christians and, and did these things too. However, in high school, you just knew who were more of the legitimate Christians, at least in my mind, yeah. than, the, than the illegitimate Christians. <laughs> Think of that born-again idea, and they were illegitimate born-again people. Oh, good one. But I, 
college, I thought that it would be different. Oof. And it wasn't. So that was where I had a lot of doubts as to where my legalistic mindset was and where it would lead me. It led me to a Christian college where it seems like everybody still struggled to be an actual Christian and love well, then that might not be for me. I got to the end of high school and I realized that I was kind of at a crossroads in my life, I thought at the time. And I thought that if I didn't go to a Christian college, that I would start partying. Loser. Doing all the things, doing all the bad things. <clears throat> and so that was a big reason I decided to go to a Christian college. I just thought that I needed to. I better do it. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm going to so go crazy. Come on, some, have some willpower. Yeah, right. So that's why I ended up at a Christian college. And I also had a little bit of like, wait, what? In my brain, going through those four years of seeing people who call themselves Christians, but it just seemed like a convenient act for them to play. It was just like a, I don't know, an identity, a personality that they had just chosen to take on. It was like, Everywhere you turn, there's a guy on a longboard with his guitar slung over his shoulder. That's not actually how it was. <laughs> that's that's the impression most, that I got. Most of those people who play the guitar, like the classic white Christian male, they didn't write longboards. Longboards were for for some of us. He's saying that because he and I both wrote longboards in college. Whoa, 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 whoa. You wrote a longboard because I showed you how awesome it was. Oh, sorry, but I did learn and I did write it. And neither of us played guitar then. No, I still don't. You play guitar now. Yes. Anyway, these guys would just always, like, at the drop of a hat, they would be like, let's just gather together and pray. Let's just sing this song. It was weird to me. It was, I don't know, it felt forced. It didn't feel natural. It still isn't natural, let's be honest. Yeah. I would say that still at my life right now, if someone if someone were to <laughs> were to be riding a longboard with a guitar slung on their back. No. That... No. If someone says to me, you know what, Jen, can I just pray with you right now? You know how Christians say that? It still is weird to me. It's awkward to me. Jen? You, you want to just pray right now? I feel like we should. Maybe we, that's how we should have opened our show. Shoot! We've already failed as Christians. <sighs> and yet that's probably why we do this show. Okay, so back to doubt. Yeah, so basically, doubt came in many forms. My first form was uh, how people lived out their faith, and it wasn't good enough to me. So I doubted my own faith as if it was worthwhile. I think there are other faith doubts within the faith when you start reading more analytically what the bible says at certain spots yeah uh and you're wait wow, wow you either doubt your faith or your faith in the bible or the bible itself one of those doubts is going to happen yeah so do you doubt whether you believe what this is do you doubt 
the, that the Bible is true, but you still have the faith in some of it. Yeah. That's where I pretty much went. And might I add right here, if you don't have any kind of doubt or response, emotional response to some of the things that you read in the Bible, I would wonder if you have a pulse because there are some crazy, crazy things in there. And if yes. you read it and you're like, oh, yeah, cool. So you should mention your what you're in your notes there, because that's what you're talking about. Well, OK, let more me just work, say more one more thing about college. Steve and I did. Oh, we were so Christiany. We did get engaged our senior year. Ring by spring. Yes. And before we got engaged, we would talk about getting engaged and getting married and <laughs> living life together and all that stuff. And I definitely had doubts about being with Steve for the rest of my life because he had so many doubts about his faith and just about Christianity and the Bible and God and, and all of it. And, you know, the whole don't be unequally yoked thing was running through my head, of course. And I was like, you know, I just wanted to do the right thing and be the good Christian and marry the good Christian and... I would be lying if I, I said I didn't have any doubts about marrying Steve. But luckily, I did still marry him. Very glad that I, I pushed through those doubts, pushed yeah. them out of my mind. Yeah, I didn't push them out of my mind. I just... Ignored them. It's fine. No, I didn't ignore them. I just knew they were there, but I felt like our relationship was strong enough. I just, I had to laugh when you said unequal, that unequally yoked comment. And this is just another instance of how... I'm not sure how you, you're supposed to interpret the Bible. I, I realize the the analogy is to two oxen being yoked together and one being significantly stronger does all the work. Yeah. But if you think about how you go through life, one of you might be stronger at something and help the other along. Yeah. And then you'll need the other one when you get farther along. Or maybe the weaker one, weaker in body, is the more intelligent one and realizes hey, let's move over to the left a little bit. There's like some rocky path coming up ahead. Sure. Or the simple fact that if you consider yourself yoked to Jesus Christ, his strength is made perfect in your weakness. How much more unequally yoked can you possibly be? So, I don't know. It was just such a Christian-y phrase that you always, always, always heard and were, yes. I don't know, it was preached at you. And we're not divorced, so there you go. We're still yoked. Can we just do a quick side note to our marriage counseling? Uh, we did go to a marriage counselor, premarital counseling. Yeah, premarital counseling. Because that's Sorry. what was offered for free at a Christian college for all of the Christian couples. Who got engaged by spring. Now they're seeing you. Yeah. <laughs> that was us. So we did that. It was free. So I was okay with it. Yeah. Okay is what I want to stress here. I was super excited about it. I was like, oh, this is going to be so fun. We're going to get to talk about ourselves and our relationship. So I don't remember all the details, but I'm sure we need to share at least this part. That our premarital counselor did have a, uh, you know, a sigh and a heart-to-heart know, -heart with us. And he, and he concluded. Well, we, to preface this, we took some kind of, Yes. All sorts of personality tests. Yeah. Personality tests. And it was present the results were presented to us by way of a line graph. 
So I had a line and Steve had a line. So I will say that when my line went up, Steve's line went down. And when Steve's line went up, my line went down. And apparently that was not what was supposed to be a good uh, sign of what's to come. Like, Yeah, I don't know. Basically, the only reason our lines even touched each other is because they had to cross to get to the other points. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They didn't cross at a point. No. They just crossed to get to other points that were more divergent from each other. Oh, that, was, that was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, and so the conclusion was... Do not get married. Yeah. He he actually told us that he could not, in good faith, recommend our getting married. And we're like, cool. Cool, thanks. Bye. And, again, I was okay with all of this because it was free, but it, obviously it had almost no bearing on my life. I was going to marry her. Yeah. Well, Steve has always been a little bit anti-establishment would you say like if somebody tells him this is what you should do he tends to gravitate to the other side of that that's not to say if he had said you should definitely get married that i was going to deviate from my own plan yes this is true this is true anyway we got married and i would say we have a very good marriage we like each other a lot we love each other even still we have lots of fun together, lots of laughs. So, in your face, Mark! That was his name. I won't say his last name, but that was his first name. Mark happens to also be my best friend from high school, so... Different Mark, definitely a different Mark. So, we jumped ahead to... I tried to jump ahead, at least, to a quote that you have written in your notes. I don't have a quote or written in my notes. Or something. You're referencing something in your notes, at least. Well... I kind of floated along in my Christian haze for several years, even at the beginning of our marriage. But being married to a person like Steve, who definitely questions everything, I I always had that in me as well, probably from my dad and how he raised me. He was definitely against the system or anti-establishment or whatever you want to say. And also, he was not a particularly religious man. Uh, So I think it was always kind of in me. But for me, if I had to go back in my doubt history and pinpoint a time where it was really like my mind kind of blew up, it was when Steve and I first started listening to a podcast that my good friend Gail recommended to us called The Faith Angle. It just talked about some, I would say, hot topics in Christianity, one of them being gender and women's role in the church and if women should preach in the church or, like, pray in front of the... Or be allowed to breathe (laughs) in, in the presence of men. Those episodes, like I said, they kind of blew my mind because I felt... Like, wow, I am resonating with this. I love this. And it kind of brought to the surface things that were underneath for me, probably for years and years. And let's be clear. Timeline, if you followed us, we talked about college and getting married. That was 22 years old. 
This is probably 10 years later where she's talking about this breakthrough yeah. to the faith angle. Yeah. I think the other thing, though, in life and in your 20s especially, and you just got married. We got married when we were 22. We didn't have any money. We moved across the country because Steve was going to grad school in Michigan. We didn't have jobs. We had nowhere to live. I mean. So we were busy. My point is our 20s were a busy time. Of just <laughs> no, not even close. What a terrible description. Okay, our early twenties when we were 20s, just getting started. We, have, we look back and we say we had so much time. What did we do with it? Okay, okay. He's talking about the fact that we didn't have kids. <laughs> we didn't have kids yet in our twenties. Oh my gosh, we had so much time. Okay, but what I'm talking about is <laughs> mental time. I think. We were very busy just figuring out how to live an adult life with jobs and managing money and renting an apartment, buying a house, figuring out things. That's what I was talking <laughs> sure. about. Yes. Did we come home after teaching? <laughs> and just binge watch all the episodes of Survivor we could get at the library? I was going to say take a really long nap and wake up and it's dark outside. We, I mean, it didn't take long, though. It wasn't a long nap. It was Michigan, so you take a nap at 4, <laughs> you wake true. up at 5, dark, dark, dark. We binge-watched Felicity. Yes. We binge-watched all the show. survivors we could get our hands on. Pretty much whatever the library had for free. Well, let me say this, that the libraries in Michigan are on point. They are amazing. They had so... So many DVDs. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> they also had lots of VHSs. We, yes. When when she mentions we didn't have jobs or places to live, we, I had family in Michigan who definitely helped us out. We and lived so, in his parents' basement for... Uh, one week. One week. And one glorious week. Call it what you will. And we then thankfully got an apartment of our own. Yeah. We couldn't sign our apartment contract without showing proof of having jobs. So we had to hurry up and get jobs. Yep. So anyway, fast forward to the podcast, and I listened to that, and I was like, oh my gosh, these really intelligent Christians are talking about these topics that I was kind of always told were either taboo or in regards to the women's role in the church, just like women are supposed to be subservient, end of story, like man, the husband is the head of the household, end of story. And so hearing that it's like, nope, that's not true. And that's not what the Bible says. And that's not what Jesus is about. I just felt an affirmation that I didn't even know I needed at that point. And then I realized I do need this. I need to dig into this. And one thing I remember them saying on that podcast was that if you have doubts about faith and God in the Bible, then that signals that your relationship is alive. Because this goes back to if you read some of the crazy stuff in the Bible and you don't have some kind of emotional response, <laughs> you are a zombie, right? So I really... Or you're just really not paying attention. Yeah. You're just zoning out. You're reading. You're like, I'm reading my Bible for the day. And you're just zoning, completely zoning. Right. Which I'm sure people do. Like, 
I read my daily devotional and I it prayed. Was, it was about Uzzah touching the ark from so it didn't fall and he got struck by down by lightning. Totally cool, everybody. Yeah. It just tells you you need to obey God's commands. Yeah, you'd have to you'd have to turn a blind eye to a lot of words. So then we happen to be going to a pretty conservative church. Okay, fast, sorry. Fast forward. We had our stint in Michigan. Steve and I both went to graduate school. We both started teaching high school. Steve taught math, basically, and I taught English, basically, 7th through 12th grade at this small Christian school that we Don't first Don't sell yourself short, Jen. You also taught math. Oh, I did teach Algebra 1. And I also taught PE. And you taught church history. I, I did teach church history. Yes. So, anyway, we got our degrees, pretty much, and... <laughs> Now, I had like one or two more classes, which I had to finish after. <laughs> she graduated three years later. It's okay. Okay. Shh. So we moved to Florida to start jobs at a private school there. And we ended up at a pretty small conservative church. We biked there. That was lovely. It was close enough to our house that we biked there. That was... One of the reasons why we chose that church, would you well, say? Yes, but let's be clear. We It wasn't that we didn't like the church either. It was we tried to find a church within our immediate yeah. vicinity to yeah. be part of our local community as opposed to driving 10 miles to... Right, and we the, liked it. Yeah, we did like it. We didn't yeah. choose it just because we could right. bike there. But there was, there was a younger, hipper church that some of our friends went to in Jacksonville that we could have gone to, but we would have to drive. Yeah, we didn't really want to drive. So anyway, we ended up at this church. We liked it because it really felt like a family to us. I just got that feeling. People really cared about you in this church. And that was a really nice feeling. I had grown up in a really small church, a really small church. So I I was totally fine with the size of it being pretty small and <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh my gosh. I Seriously. Can't... Yep. <sighs> Moving on. I mean that's what she said. Okay. <laughs> I totally okay with the size. It was really small. Oh my god. Totally okay. <laughs> Totally okay with that. Okay, okay, moving on. So I we got involved. We I joined the worship team. Steve ended up doing like the soundboard and stuff like that. Taught Sunday school. Yeah, you taught Sunday school, and it was good. We liked it. Then we started going to Bible studies that the pastor led. Well, back up. Okay. <laughs> we have to back up. We went to the very first little. Hey, get to know. We- uh, the church informational meeting after like, the first or second Sunday that we went there. And I specifically asked oh, yeah. in the very first informational meeting, what is the church's position on women? Yeah, I didn't ask that. Steve asked that. I was still kind of like, and they basically said, well, we like women and they give us children. They didn't say that. But they can't. They better not teach any of our adults, especially not from the pulpit, because that's heresy. 
Yeah. So our church, <laughs> women could do children's ministry and lead children's ministry, but there certainly were no women elders or deacons or deaconesses or whatever you want to classify that role in the church. Definitely not any women and definitely no women were eligible. That role was reserved courtesy of First Timothy for men. We will get to Timothy in another episode, you better believe. Oh man, Timothy. So what our first episode is about really is just mentioning a lot of the doubts we might have. When they came in, we kind of gave that story and then what they still are, where we have questions, concerns. So Steve had asked the question about the women, the women's role in the church. And we were kind of like, eh, but it didn't bother me that much at the time. I just at a totally different place in my life. And it's very strange for me now to even look back on that and think that was me. It is kind of embarrassing, actually, that I was ever like, oh, it's totally fine, whatever. But I'm not like that anymore, that's for sure. But at the same time, we realized that we were never going to agree probably 100% with any random denomination doctrines. Yeah. And, and we needed to push past some of that to enjoy community, yes, uh, fellowship, and things that we value. Yeah, he's exactly right. And we did have that conversation. That is true. We knew there was not going to be, and is not currently, a perfect church for us that would align exactly with what we believe. I just don't think that's to be true. I, maybe I'm being a pessimist here, but I, I don't think that there's a church out there where every little thing that they believe is going to line up with what we believe. Partially I say that because what we believe is still changing. That's what I was going to say. It's basically say, oh, even if we started our own house church and we were the leaders of said house church, I would eventually probably disagree with my earlier self. Yeah. Uh, because either I've learned things or I've grown in different ways or I just wanted to be anti-establishment. So being at any one church for a given period of time and the church feels like it's remaining stagnant, there's probably gonna eventually be a problem with Steve and me, I would say. Because stagnation is trouble, right? Like stagnant water, think about stagnant water. It is gross. It starts stinking, weird things start growing in it. I mean, the way that you're saying it, yes, but I mean, you can have an isolated amount of water, oh my gosh, motionless, okay, and it just doesn't change. It's it's distilled water, okay. Essentially. All right, Mr. Scientist. <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> a gallon of distilled water is going to be good for a very long time. Okay, when I say stagnant water, I'm talking about like when you're out on a walk. And you're like walking through the dump or wherever you're walking. I am not walking with you at this point. I'm just giving an illustration. You're walking through the dump and there's like this gross lake of water that is nasty, not the right color. There's like air ripples coming off because of the stench. We probably need to just move past this analogy at all. That's fine, but stagnation <laughs> is bad. <laughs> so we went to a Bible, we started going to Bible study on Wednesday nights at our church and it was led by our pastor and we, okay, this is going back to when I was saying, if you know us, you know that if we have a question about something, we will 
ask. We don't have any problem asking questions. We are both pretty assertive when it comes to that. Look, the Bible study was about Hosea. Now, our real issue with it is, I, I guess, threefold. Hosea, if you're familiar, is about a prophet who is told to marry a prostitute, who then has kids possibly with other men, and then he names these kids terrible, terrible names like you're never loved and things like that. I, I don't even remember exactly what the names were. But we had some serious questions about this. Is this whole book just an analogy? Well, I think he called it... I can't remember which word he used, if he said it was an analogy or an allegory. The point being, we had some questions. Those questions might have revealed some doubts within us. When you reveal doubts to other Christians, there seems to be a couple of responses and one that is most prominent. And that is a big old guilt-shame mess. How dare you doubt God? Well, what was it that our pastor said to us? He quoted Max Lucado, but I have yet to find this quote by Max Lucado. Pretty sure it's a misquote, which would not be the first misquote. So he said something along the lines of, you can ask what of God, but you cannot ask why of God. I was asking a why question. I, I remember. I don't remember what it was, but I remember asking yeah. a why question. And he came back to me with that. And I thought, well, that's strange. I mean, it could have just as, like I said, it was Hosea 1. And it's like, why would God want someone born called the unloved one or whatever his name was? Why doesn't he love everyone? Mm -hmm. Why would you even have that? And it's like, can't ask God why. Can only ask God what. So what was the child's name exactly? <laughs> yeah. Oh, the unloved one. Got it. And what do you say you do for all of your creation? Love it. Oh, okay. Got it. Makes perfect sense. No doubts there. Well, the other thing that I struggled with during that Wednesday night Bible study, and it might have been that night, it might have been another night, I was just saying straight up, like, that I have doubt about things in the Bible when I don't understand them or if God is doing something that seems totally ridiculous to me, that I have doubt. I experience doubt. And one of the elders of the church, he you're says, just, you're just experiencing a time of doubt right now. You're just struggling with your faith right now. It was belittling the fact that doubts exist at all. It wasn't even taken into account that he could have doubts, perhaps. It was just trying to erase them. And I definitely remember the use of the word just, which seems like a really small word, but I have issues with this word. He used the word just, like he really minimized what I was going through. Like you're just experiencing, you're just having difficulty with your faith right now. Like that's all it is. And that's like, why it's we- just this. Yeah, and that's why we resonated with the faith angle so much when they said, when you have doubts, your faith is actually alive mm -hmm. and potentially growing. We liked that a lot because we, as humans, we both ask a lot of questions, maybe the not popular questions to ask, and that's really a huge part of who we are. So there are plenty of doubts that we have what is written in certain translations of the Bible that we'll get into. Yeah. So we're going to wrap up our first episode, I think. Well, the natives are getting restless. Yeah.
we do our best to record these episodes when we have a little few minutes of quiet time, but we have three kids, so that's not always afforded to us. So if you hear random little things here and there, noises, <laughs> like that, I hope that you'll enjoy kind of going along with us as we talk about various maybe doubts that we have, books that we've read, Christian books that we've read, weird parts of the Bible that we've read. Feel free to send us, or send my wife, because she's got the Insta account, your doubts. Maybe we'll talk about those. That could be fun. Make it interactive. We'll give you a shout out. Anyway, thanks for listening. (laughs) We're going to end this episode. It's finally over. Goodbye, and we'll see you next time. Not going to see any of you. We are Red Weather Christians. I'm Steve. And I'm Jen. Leave no doubt unturned. Until next time.